tell. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. So if you want to open up there or you can just follow along, we'll be reading uh, scriptures. This is going to be our main place that we're going to, to be, but we will be jumping around to some other passages and then coming back here several times. But before we read the, the word, let's pray. Lord, it's just great to have time to worship you. And uh, thank you for the songs that you've inspired and those that have led us. And thank you so much for Anthony's thoughts and just his heart to remind us that although the way is tough, your intention is not for us to be heavily burdened by it. And we, we thank you that as we think about Jesus and his sacrifice for us, that the burden gets lifted every time. Thank you for that. And now bless your word. Uh, may you open it to us, and may our hearts uh, be open to you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Anthony, for that. It's such a great message. Uh, so uh, this is uh, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is Mark's account of the gospel of Jesus. And since Mark jumps right in, we're just going to jump right in and start reading. Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one, the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you read the other Gospels and you compare to Mark, and each of them, they have a narrative, they have a message, they want to get through. But Mark just jumps right in to the storyline of Jesus. And he sets it up with John the Baptist, and this line of what we're going to read next this transitionary statement where John's baptizing people and he says, okay, I'm baptizing you in water. Yeah. But one is coming and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptize is actually a, a word that just got transliterated from the, the Greek into the English just as it was. The Greek word baptizo. But if it were translated like every other word in this paragraph is, it would be to dip, to plunge, to immerse, or my favorite is submerge. So John's literally submerging people in water, and he says, okay, I'm submerging you in this water, but one's coming, and he's going to submerge you in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now this is John's take of all the things he could have said about the Messiah, the thing that he selected for our attention and consideration is that when he comes, of the amazing great things he's going to do, the burdens that he's going to lift, he is going to 
fully submerge you in the Holy Spirit. So keep that in mind, because now look at what, he's, what, ha what happens next. At that time, verse 9, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Okay, so the events surrounding that, and it's the beginning, Jesus is just baptized, and then, wow, talk about your statement event. This isn't some just side thing. You wonder, how did that get into the storyline? This is major. I mean, we see heaven being torn open. Whenever that happens in Scripture, that is an attention grabber, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Heaven's being torn open. And we see the Spirit, which he just talked about, John did, descending on Jesus like a dove. Now, I don't know. I don't know what the, the image is. I picture an eagle or an osprey diving into a lake, you know, like an arrow and, and fishing out. I don't think it was like that. In fact, we were talking about this morning, Renee and I, as we were talking, a dove literally lands out in a tree. And it's, it's, it's feathers. They kind of come in for a landing and it, it, they flutter their feathers. And so I don't know. I don't know what the image is, but it's quite spectacular. So heaven's torn open. The Spirit comes down on Jesus, and then this threefold saying from the very voice of God, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. You know, we could probably sum up the ministry of Jesus as tearing open heaven to give us a glimpse clearer than ever before, clearer than any of the prophets ever did, clearer than any of the other narratives from the Old Testament, a glimpse into the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And that first look, that first glimpse into the heart of God by Jesus, who, that's what he came to do, is this affirming, just expressive, profound, you're my son, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. Yeah. This is our heaven being torn open and our look into the heart of God. Yeah. Amen. So the threefold, you're my son. So there's a lot of things we can, I mean, the, the, the inferences and the applications are virtually endless, but, but there certainly is a genetic DNA uh, same for same transference of life to life here. You are my son. So that's one thing that's being and, and And, you know, all of these things could be included in the one, but, but there, it is possible, we all know families, it's possible to have a genetic marker with somebody, but not necessarily for there to be a lot of love going on. Yeah. We, we know... Families like this, maybe we have, you know, references within our own genetic families. There's, there's, yeah, there's some 
birth similarities, maybe lots of them, maybe uh, almost you know a frightening amount of them, and yet there could be no no uh, love. Yeah. You're my son, whom I love. Now we have to understand the the conveyance of you know parental love. It's a, it's unconditional. It's it's for life, and and then some. And it, it, you know, the idea is this is a this is a love that is based on the relationship and not based on who you are, or what you do, or I love you. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty incredible, my son. I love you, but it is possible. Also, if we were wanting to separate these, you know, you can tell and you feel sometimes. You know, I love you, but I don't really like you. Mm -hmm. Because the commitment is there, it's unchanging, we all get that. But right now, you're bugging me, okay? Uh, and so the third thing is just so priceless that it's added. My son, I love you, oh, and I am well pleased with you. We can't miss the point of what God wanted to convey to Jesus. But also remember, heaven's been torn open. It's, it's, it is an unmistakable, unambiguous, clear look into the heart of God. Now, when did this happen? When did this occur? It, occur, it occurred before Jesus ever did anything. Before any ministry was ever done. Before any people were ever healed. And before... He ever, and Joey talked about this last week, before, and, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this happening before the time of testing. Mm. And sometimes we think, you know, in the order of it, he should have passed the test. Mm. And once God saw, okay, you passed the test, now I'm going to affirm you, now I'm going to tell you how awesome you are, it, it came before any of that yeah. had happened. But it does say, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. But it happened before that. And so let's keep that in mind as we consider this and just work with this, this passage a bit. And it, it happens in such a way that it's clearly pivotal. It's foundational. It's a first and foremost event that occurs, all right? Now, Joy talked about this last week, but if, if we go over to Matthew chapter four, uh, Matthew records the same event of the baptism uh, in chapter three, but in chapter four, we have a temptation. And what's so cool is the, the, the contrast between what God does and what he says, you are, you are my son. There's no if, there's no question, there's no qualification, uh, there's no condition. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Not, I'm well pleased with you because, I'm well pleased with you if, you're my son, you're my love. With you, I'm well pleased. Then, we have the temptation. And as, as Joy brought out last week, there's this big if, if you're the son of God. But I do want to point out uh, how different 
the if, the questioning is by Satan, and the absolute no question, unequivocal, absolute, unambiguous from God. And my son, whom I love, with you I'm all pleased. And so Satan's going to try to chisel away from that. He's going to try to add qualifica qualifications and conditions and issues and, yeah. and footnotes and fine print to it. But that's not the view we got when heaven was torn open and the voice came and the spirit descended yeah. as a dove. That's not the view. So Satan's going to try and chip away from that. Um, but I want you to look at verse 5 of chapter 4. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Even the Son of God, there it is again, throw yourself down, and then this is the thing we really got to pay attention to. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. That's a thing of Psalm 91. It's an awesome psalm, spectacular psalm, affirming psalm. It goes on to say, you will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. He says you'll not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day in the, in the pandemic time or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the plague that destroys it at noonday. I mean, it describes all of this, these promises from God and, and yet Satan wants to take it and he wants to twist the context. He wants to change uh, how somebody might receive it and how they might view it. And, and one of the one of the things that I think it's really important for us to realize is Jesus passes this test in chapter 4 because of what happened in Matthew chapter 3 or what we just read in Mark chapter 1. He is, he's got incredible momentum to encounter this kind of stuff, including the misuse of the scriptures, the misuse of the very word of God to try and get him to think otherwise than the affirming as is love of God for him. But Jesus understood because he, because he had heard the affirming voice and because of that was, that was his orientation, he knew how to handle this. And I'm going to put something out there that maybe will sound extreme to you. I think we don't actually even know how to read the Bible well if we don't know how to hear God's affirmation. We don't know how to hear it and read it ourselves and we don't know how to hear it from somebody else. Whatever, whatever their motive may be, whatever they may be trying to do, we won't be able to receive it as God. Remember, heaven torn open. This is not a side event. This is, this is God demonstrating His heart as Jesus wanted us to, to see it and know it through him, as God wanted us to see and know it through Jesus, that if we don't hear that, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you, if we don't get that, then almost anywhere we could go, in, in, including Psalm 91 for crying out loud, we're not going to know how to receive it and process it. And we're not going to know how to receive and process what what other people might bring to us without that. Now, we can say, well, that's nice. You know, that's Jesus. Amen. Mark chapter 1, you know, okay, let's go to, let's go to Romans 8. Because there's, there's such a, a parallel 
to what we read about in Romans 8 to what happened in Mark 1 and Matthew 3. Verse 14. Mark, uh, Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Again, notice the just clear statement. Are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, remember, John says, I'm, I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to, he's going to submerge you in the spirit. This is, a, this is looking forward. When Jesus uh, receives the affirmation from God, the, the Spirit comes on him. All right, now, that's for us too. And Romans 8 clearly lays that out. The Spirit we receive brought about our adoption to sonship. Everything that was said to Jesus, you're my son, you're my love, with you I'm well pleased, that is meant for us. That the Spirit is meant in us to bring about our adoption to the same kind of relationship that Jesus had. And, and there's, there's a, the NIV puts in there, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits that we're God's children. Is it possible? Do you dare in your wildest dreams think about heaven being torn open before you and God's, that the strength the absoluteness of God's affirmation to you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you and I am well pleased with you. And that, before you ever did anything awesome, before you ever accomplished anything, and before you ever passed or didn't pass any test of temptation. Before that, that, that you, would, you would know and hear that kind of affirmation. I love you. You have my DNA in you. And I am, I'm just thrilled about you. I'm just crazy about you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased with you. That, that kind of affection and that kind of relationship from God. That's what he wants for us. That, 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 that's it. Everything else that we get and we learn springs from that. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to bring that about. Now, this is probably not new information to most of us. So what I want to spend the rest of the time doing is how, how do we make this practical? How do we... Uh, because, by the way, Mark chapter 1, heaven's torn open. It doesn't say, and then it was sewed back up. Because... That would be too awesome for mere mortals to experience, you know. So we wouldn't want you to get too confident and too secure and, you know, too giddy in salvation. What might happen then? And I think sometimes we're almost afraid. And we have this picture of it got closed back up till such time as we somehow, we, that, that next thing that we do, that, that next thing that we achieve, that next turn in the corner, then maybe, then maybe it'll open up and we'll receive that. It, 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 it was tore open and it never closed. Just like, just like, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain of the temple was torn in two and access to the holy place was gotten to his blood. It, it was never put back. 
the access remained, right? And so the same, that affirming heart of God is, is still there available to us just waiting. So, so how, do we, how do we get access? There's just a few practicals for, for you to think about. One is, and this may be the most difficult, for you to really make a decision that that's actually the way it is. Really. That that absolutely is the heart of God. He loves me. I'm his child, I'm his son, and he's well pleased with me. That that's really how it is. There's, there's part of us sometimes that I think we just, we have that, yeah, what about this, and what about that? So meditating one time on John chapter 1, and it says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth, the fullness, mm -hmm. grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, I've had an interesting relationship with that passage. There was a time years ago when I thought, I just think there's just too much, there's too much legalism, there's too much do's and don'ts, there's too much shoulds and have to's and, and what ifs, and I think we need to balance that out. And this verse meant a lot to me as through this concept of balance. Well, it's, it's grace and truth. As in, yeah, there's the truth of, you know, you, you're messing up and you, you, need to, you need to do these things and you got to get this right. There's the truth of that, but, but let's at least balance that out with, with some grace. Or we're going to carry those, those burdens, you know, that, that we're not talking about. But, but more and more, as I reflect on that, and, and this is just me. Again, this is all under the point of you've got to make a decision whether or not believe, you believe, whether or not you really buy into this view of God and how he views you, as is before you do anything, unconditionally. And, and, and this is the thought. Grace is the truth. It's not, there's no balancing here at all. It came with the fullness of grace and truth. You have to almost have a prejudice to say, yeah, we got to balance this. And, and even though I don't subscribe to that view anymore, I know there's people that really do. Like, Lord, help us if God's people should ever get confident in their salvation. What, what might they run off and do? We got to somehow, we got to keep them in check. And we got we to put some, you know, some things out there. The, the, grace is the truth. And if you think about that and, and you start reading and, and, and you begin to, things begin to jump off the page. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Grace is. So maybe you have to wrestle through with that, but uh, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. To, to sort out your own personal, I mean, heart-level, personal take on that. That's, that's the first practical. Does it make you uncomfortable? Do you, do you think you have to balance that out? Or, or could you just really let yourself just, just dive into that? Just jump into those arms of God in that way. I don't think you have anything to worry about what might happen if you do. The second thing is... Kind of once you've sorted that, 
to incline purposefully, intentionally incline your heart and mind toward that orientation. I mean, think about where God placed this in the life and ministry of Jesus. It, 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 it's literally, it's at the beginning, and it's, it's so foundational. And, and like we would reference our baptism, but that wasn't, it wasn't just the baptism. It was the heaven being torn open and the threefold affirmation coming. To, to, to make it a point to revisit that again and again and again. Isaiah 12 verse 3 says, You will drink with joy from the well of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's something we need. That We need to go to that well again and again and again. Yeah. And you know how it is? You know how you can be out active, whatever, working, active, hiking, doing something, and because of the weather, you're just not much thirsty, and, and then the, the weather can change, and the, it can heat up, the sun can be out, and all of a sudden you can find yourself you know, dehydrated and, and needing a drink, and, and there are times when we're right on check with, uh, I, need, I need a drink, and there are other times when we're not in touch, and we're getting dehydrated, and we don't, we're not aware of it, and I think drinking from the well of salvation is a lot like that. There was a time when people would underline in their Bibles a lot. And then there was this thinking that goes, okay, now there's all the places that you've underlined. Now what you need to do is read the places that you didn't underline. And again, it's this thinking of, well, you might feel too good when you shouldn't be feeling good about yourself. And I think just the opposite is true. You need to find those highlighted places and you need to go back to them again and again and again and again and again. Because it's... It's dreary out there. It's tough out there. This, this, this Christian life is not easy. I mean, it's tried it, realize it. And so drink frequently and often. Incline your heart. Intend to. Hear God's affirming voice in the threefold way. Not just part of it, but all of it. Over and over again in your life. Drink, drink well and often from the well of salvation. And then the third thing, and uh, this may be a little counterintuitive for church people. Um, but work with me on this for a moment. Of course, go to church. Of course, read your Bible. Of course, pray. Of, of course, have quiet times. Of course, meet with people and, and engage in Christian things. All right? Absolutely. So that's just here. And that's that's... You know, that's stating the obvious, and it's so obvious that let's just put that here. Um, But I think sometimes where you spend most of your time, which is at work, your job, where you're employed, and where you're, 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 you're aligning, you know, some of your gifts, some of who you are, some of who God made you to be, with the challenges at hand, and with, with who you are in the world, what you bring to the equation of the world. You know, that's a lot of God stuff activated in your life, and stuff that God has been preparing and working on you for a lifetime, and it all coalesces and aligns right there in your workaday life, okay? I want to give you two examples from Scripture. The first is a 23rd Psalm. Of all the Psalms, I mean, there are some amazing Psalms, but you would be hard-pressed to find a better Psalm that gives us that same heaven-torn-open view into the heart of God. The Lord, He's my shepherd. 
He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The Lord restores my soul. He, he leads me in paths of righteousness. He, 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 if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of many. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy oh, just following me all the days of my life. And then what's next? I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, it's spectacular. But you know, written by David, you get the sense that it was while... I mean, think about it. It, was, it wasn't while he was in the temple. It was while he was out chasing the woolies around herding the sheep and contending with the varmints and all the stuff that might attack the sheep. It was while he was in the rough and tumble of the shepherding, which was his job as a teenager. It's what, he, it's what his job was. While he was doing his job, that heaven was torn open and we were given the 23rd Psalm. The other one is, another. there are many examples, but the other one is, is uh, Matthew chapter 8. And it's the guy who Jesus that gets the interchange gets done, and this is this is remarkable. Think of all the hundreds and thousands of people that Jesus interacted with, and it's after his interaction with this guy that he says, "I have not found such great faith in all of Israel like this guy here." Now the story, if you read it in Matthew eight, is that the centurion has a servant that needs to be healed, and he says, "Could you could you heal my servant?" And, you know, Jesus is making to go with him, and he says, no, no, don't, don't come with me. He says, I'm a man under authority, and I have people under me. I just give the word, and it's done. I say, this one, go, and he goes, and that one goes, and, and, and the implication is, is, and when it's told to me, you know, go and do this, I do that. It's like, and it's a, it's a, it's, really kind of remarkable. It's a soldier. It's a Roman soldier, a centurion in the middle of his job doing what centurions do, receiving orders and giving orders that he had this insight. It's like heaven is torn open and this view of God and it's, it's a benevolent, it's power, but it's a loving, affirming, benevolent power that you just, you just ask it. Say the word it's done. And Jesus just loved that response from that guy. So, I have not found such great faith in all this. So the point is, you're not hurting sheep and you're not a centurion, but you each have your jobs that you do. Could it be? And this is just the practical. Just stay tuned. Because while you're, while you're doing your job that you do, could be the times when the tearing open of heaven and the affirming heart of God to you comes through in ways that are just going to really minister to you. Mm -hmm. Just right there when, when you need it. Mm -hmm. So one last look at the um, heart of God. Because that, that's, that's really what it comes to. It's just the kind of Father that we serve and that we we relate to and we worship and that we long to know. It's this I mean, you see it right there. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring that to us. The Holy Spirit Himself wants to uh, testify with our spirits that that's us. He's our Abba Father. We're His children. He loves us. He's well pleased with us. Is 
uh, a, a way that that, what do you see when you see the, 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 the face of God? What do you see when you see the heart of God? What, if, if heaven were to be torn open before you and you were to look into what would you see? And way back in Numbers chapter 6, God is teaching Moses how to have Aaron and the priest bless the people. And he says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to bless the people. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And now that's just kind of buried in numbers with a whole bunch of stuff, you know, numbers, like they're in numbers. But could you imagine that that's, it's always been the, the view that God wants to have, that when we see him, it's a face that's shining and it's a gracious, it's a grace bringing face to us. And it's a face that's turning toward us anytime, anywhere, maybe even especially when you're working, mm -hmm. turning toward you and wanting in that moment to impart to you peace. That's, that's God's heart for us. And let's, let's be open to the ways that that might uh, be in our life. And, and then let's live from there. Amen? Amen. Okay.